Let's Get Real at Crossway with Pastor Bob Manuel and friends. How do some people abandon the faith? The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. How do some people abandon the faith? The answer is this. They follow demonic doctrines. Doctrines taught by demons. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you, night and day. How can you respond to false teaching? You've got to know the truth. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you, were, when you made your good confession. There's that word again, good. In the presence of many witnesses. In the sight of God who gives life to everything and of Christ Jesus, who while testifying before Pontius Pilate made the good confession. It's that idea again that three times in these two, he made the good confession. I charge you to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So Mark, a few weeks ago, we had looked at uh, chapter 4 of 1 Timothy. And the first verse says, the Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. So this idea of abandoning the faith, this idea of the faith, often when you see Paul talk about that, he'll have what's called in the Greek language a, a, a definite article. So it's not just some will abandon faith, but the faith, meaning there's a content involved okay. in the faith. There's there's truths, there's propositions, if you will, that, that, that uh, factual statements about the faith, you know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So people will abandon the faith. Now, what I found kind of interesting that as the chapter goes on in chapter 5 of 1 Timothy, it says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith. It's not abandon the faith, but it's... Pretty much the same thing. Uh, they've denied the faith, and it's worse than an unbeliever. So kind of what struck me is that the faith in the New Testament times wasn't just, you know, uh, some confessional standards that you held to or some, you know, statement of, of faith, you know, some, some facts. But it also speaks about lifestyle and caring for one another. So if you're not caring for one There's another... There's a broader stroke here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, go ahead. So if, if you're not caring for someone, then that is part of the faith. That's part of the faith. And, you know, I think James, uh, Jesus' brother, kind of touched upon this a little bit. He said, religion that God our Father accepts as peerless and faultless is this. And so in some of our uh, intellectual climate, we'd talk about, you know, uh, what do you believe, meaning statements, you know, truths, but mm -hmm. 
James doesn't go there. He says, this is pure and faultless religion to look after orphans and widows yeah. in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So in New Testament times, the faith wasn't just ideas or thoughts or statements, but Jesus kind of boiled it down to this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So there's a, a lifestyle element to the faith. Yes. Um one of the safeguards, I, I believe, the Lord put in place when he established the, lo the local church was that um, we can uh, kind of keep an eye on each other. There's, uh, that, that's not just the pastor or elder's responsibility, is it? No, no. It's, it's everybody, you know, it's part of the body of Christ. I'm 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 going to get a little bit provincial here in my question. Hmm. Uh, I grew up here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, <clears throat> and um, um, for years, Grand Rapids was known as a church on every corner, mm -hmm. and it was acceptable to be, um, I guess you would say, godly. Uh, you had certain standards, certain convictions, certain things you wouldn't do, and everybody kind of understood everybody. Um, I, I went away for about 25 years and then came back. And, of course, during that time, the whole country changed, not just this area. Mm. But it, it was less uh, clear what godliness looked like. Because, you know, people would say, well, you know, I don't go to church anymore because of this and that. And, uh, but, you know, I, I do watch so and so, and, uh, or I read or whatever. And, um, the, the study that you're taking us through in the scriptures is really where we need to start to identify what godliness is. And maybe mm. you can help us with that. Yeah, I've been personally encouraged and challenged and just stretched by this whole idea of what is godliness. And so Paul talks about godliness in the sense of, of, of a lifestyle and that the world would see uh, our godliness on display. But what's interesting, um, when he comes to chapter 3, he uses a... a an adjective for, for godliness, if you will. Uh, he says, beyond all question, the mystery from which true, so true godliness, mm -hmm. from which true godliness springs is great. And he doesn't give a list of behaviors. He doesn't give a list of spiritual uh, disciplines that we're supposed to display. That's right, he doesn't. Uh, I don't smoke, I don't chew, I don't go with girls mm -hmm. that do. That's a godly person. What he says the mystery from which true godliness springs is great. And then he, he gives a little vignette of who Jesus was. He said, this is true godliness. He appeared in the flesh. He was vindicated by the Spirit, was seen by angels, was preached among the nations, was believed on in the world, was taken up in glory. True godliness is Jesus Christ. And he gives us his life. Yes. Um, and by our faith in him, we, uh, he, uh, our life is now hidden with Christ and God, Colossians chapter 3 says. So the more that we get interested in Jesus and follow him and trust him, uh, the more godly we become because he's becoming more and more 
our life, if you will, on a practical basis. It's not about us, how we're doing, how we're not doing, what kind of habits do we have. That stuff follows, but if you don't have the mystery from which true godliness springs, which is Jesus Christ himself, it's just moralism. It's just whitewashed sepulcher. You know, we're, right. we look really good on the outside, but inside there's nothing's changed. And I would think, uh, just knowing what Jesus taught, if we were to focus on uh, some of the things that he taught, like uh, the uh, concept of faith the size of a mustard seed. Mm. Um, you know, there's a... There's a um, well, you can explain it in the church here. You've got a little seed, and if not looking for it, you don't see it. But there was a purpose to put that together. Oh, yeah, you're referring to, so I, 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 I was reading some of the parables once, and so I went out, I was curious about just how small is a mustard seed. Mm -hmm. So I, I took a mustard, I found some mustard seeds, you know, at the store, got bought a little package of them, and... Uh -huh. And, uh, uh, you know, then I, I, I basically put that mustard seed on the sticky part of a piece of tape, drew a little stick figure of a mountain, and then a reference from Matthew. You know, if you have this faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Then I, I placed that little mustard seed with that tape and the piece of the uh, picture of the mountain over a couple of the doorways of, of our sanctuary, my mm -hmm. office, just as a reminder, when you walk by, and people don't even see it if they're not looking for it. But, um, yeah, you know, again, it's not so much how big is my faith, how faith, but yeah, but how big is our God, you know? And, and you're bringing us back to Jesus to, uh, and the scriptures that, that you just mm -hmm. used um, to identify or define godliness. Yeah, and, and we, we listened earlier to this, this passage in 1 Timothy 1, so we, we have this idea that godliness is I'm getting better and better and better and better and stronger and stronger and more faith. Maybe, you know, if some mm -hmm. of that stuff's happening, that's great, but the more I walk with Christ, the more I understand the Scriptures, and this I know this isn't the only way to understand godliness, but I think it's a huge piece of it, is I think true godliness is that we see more and more of our need our brokenness. Paul says, here's a trustworthy yes. saying. Yes, I agree with that. Deserves full acceptance. Jesus Christ came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And you're saying, Paul, aren't you getting kind of hard on yourself? You know, He just knew how needy he was. And so, uh, you know, he, Paul was a great giant of the faith, if you will. But yeah. why? Because, because he knew how... Uh, weak and and uh astray he would go and self-righteous and proud if it, uh, he would go if it wasn't for knowing christ well and we could take an old testament character like david uh who was referred to as a man after god's own heart um, his shortcomings and sin and brokenness is in the scriptures for all to see mm-hmm and I think you have something there. Well, yeah, he, um, I mean, David, you know, it's, uh, he's referred to in the book of Acts, um, a man after God's own heart. And that's under the inspiration of the scripture. So you say, what's, well, what's that mean then? How could David, here, here's an adulterer, a murderer, yeah. um, 
family was in disarray. Most of us would, would not even uh, you know, uh, read anything that he wrote if it wasn't in the scriptures. If you know, The guy was just so, sure. had so many flaws. But he knew how to repent. And that was the big, the big key. I mean, sometimes it had to be drawn out of him. You know, the, the prophet mm-hmm. Nathan. Yeah. But once he saw that you are the man, David, <laughs> once he knew that, uh, he says, you know, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. God meant more to him than anything. Some of this power of the gospel became really clear to me years ago when, you know, uh, going back to that clip you played, I found out that so much of my Christian life for years was spent trying to prove to God that I wasn't as bad as oh. I thought I was. You know, okay. or I, I mean, what I mean by that is yeah. that, so I, I, you know, I I'd do this, I would do that, I'd read my Bible, I'd pray, I, um, it had been weeks since I'd struggled with a certain sin or thought pattern or sure. whatever it might be, and and it's like God, see, I'm not so bad. You see, I'm I'm getting pretty good, you know. And it's sort of like I never had this confidence, this security, this sense of rest and peace uh, that came just from from His love. And finally, it, it He said, Bob, just relax. Right. You know, you're you're far worse than you'll ever know. <laughs> it, it's okay. And that's exactly where I am at today. But, the, but then when you stop, <laughs> but. But the, the, the second part's just as, because if you stop with that, it can lead to what theologians have called antinomianism, that it doesn't really matter, meaning that the law and the keeping uh, the commandments and obedience is not, that's not important because God just loves you anyway. That can, so that thought can lead to all sorts of craziness. But, but when I heard God say, speak to my spirit, and I found out later that this was communicated a lot of other people in much the same way that Bob relax. You're, you're far worse than you'll ever know, but you're far more deeply loved than you ever dreamed possible. You know, so you can't get down on yourself. Why? Because he loves you so much. You can't get too high on yourself. Why? Because you know that what you're capable of. Right. And so your whole identity is not based upon how well you're doing or how well you're not doing or how bad you're doing, you know, on, on our performance, our identity gets formed around the performance and the person of Jesus Christ and what he has done, how much he loves us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated his love, Romans 5.8. So when you put those two things together, it, it, there's, that's the power of the gospel. You've been listening to Let's Get Real with Pastor Bob Manuel of Crossway Community Church of Grand Rapids, Michigan, an evangelical free church. Please share a word with us, a comment, question, or suggested topic at ipastor at aol.com. That's the letter I, the word pastor at aol.com. I'm Mark Moore. Thanks for listening.